You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, today we're in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. This is our ninth in the Roman series. The title today is Death Through Adam and Life Through Christ. This is a very important passage in the book of Romans. Romans, the whole book of Romans, as I said in the beginning, is very important for every born-again Christian. We need to read it and reread it and read it again because it's very important stuff. We can avoid a lot of confusion if we have a proper understanding of Romans 5 even. We all need to be justified by faith because we're all sinners. Some may say, well, I try my best to be a good person I attend church regularly. I give money to the church. I support other causes. I give to charity, different charities. Surely you're not suggesting that I'm a sinner. The fact is that all who have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ are still sinners. Uh, They are as we were, those of you who are born again, in Adam, as opposed to being in Christ. When you become a new creature in Christ Jesus, you are in Christ. Paul has already shown the result of being ungodly, how both Jews and Gentiles are guilty before God and are worthy of death. We also learn that we are justified by faith. By grace you are saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So this do not mean that we're not guilty. We're as guilty as sin. We're sinners. Okay? But God has taken care of that for us. What it do mean is that we are pardoned. If you listen to the news, you hear the president of the U.S. is pardoning different people. And some people disagree with some of the pardons. And do you know something? God promised to pardon everyone who believes in the preparation that he made so that no one would perish, but everyone would come to repentance. And you and I sometimes look at some of these people and say, wow, will God ever accept them into heaven? They've got a list of crimes as long as your arms 
And yet God is a God of grace and a God of forgiveness. And if a person can find a place of repentance, he will forgive. Justification means to have all the charges dropped against us, just as if we had never sinned. First point I wanted to make today is that we were all born sinners in Adam. Everyone. Sin began with Adam, so Paul takes us to the event that caused us all to be sinners. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not any law to break. Still, Everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit command, commandment of God as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol or a representation of Christ who was yet to come. So from verse 12 to the end of the chapter, he's comparing Adam. And what he did, and how it affected us, how it affected the human race. He's comparing Adam with Jesus, and what he did, and how that affected us, and the whole human race. Right at the beginning of Genesis, we learn of creation, how God created man in his own image. This Adam became the father of the whole human race. We all descended from Adam. This one man sinned, and because he sinned, sin entered the world. I will not assume that you all know the creation story today. So I'm going to refer back to Genesis chapter 1, Chapters 1 to 3. The Bible tells us, before the worlds were formed, God was. He is eternal. The Bible don't make any kind of a try to explain God. Other than, in the beginning, God. And that's where you begin to have faith. In the beginning, God. God was there all the time. In the beginning of creation, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke everything into existence. The Bible says that he then created Adam from the earth that he had created. And he breathed life into his creation and he became a living soul. And every person born since then has become living souls. When God made a profound statement, it's not good 
for man to be alone. So he created a woman, a helpmate for him, from one of Adam's ribs. In Genesis 2, 23, he says, At last the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And Adam gave her a name. He named her Eve. Genesis 3, verse 20 says, Then, man, then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve. Why? Because she would be the mother of all who live. There's a whole lot of things that is not explained in the Bible. Evidently, God had given revelation to Adam what was going to take place. That Eve was going to bear children. And this is the way the world would be populated down through the ages. He called her Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. God warned Adam not to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He had the entire garden there with trees of all kinds, with fruit that Adam could partake of. But God said there's one tree that you cannot eat from. One question often asked is, why did God even place that tree there? Wouldn't things be a lot better in the world today if Adam had not eaten of that tree? If God had not placed that tree there? Well, there are scholars with much more education than I am, but my best answer is choice. Free will. God wanted somebody who would love him, who would choose to love him, who would choose to serve him. And if he dictated that you will do this and this and this and never put any choice in the equation, we would not have an opportunity to freely love and serve our Lord. God wants us to choose to obey him, to choose to love him, to choose to serve him. We're not forced to do anything. I said we're not forced to do anything. God, don't twist my arm to serve him. If I want to disobey God, he'll let me go right ahead and do it. The wise choice is to obey. In Genesis 3.17, But from the tree of the knowledge of good, the, of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. That death was not just a physical death. Although from that moment on the human body began to break down, began a process of slowly dying. And from the time we come out of our mother's womb, we are slowly 
dying. We grow to a certain point, and then we begin to de deteriorate. Ask someone who's a bit older than me, and you'll find out. There is a spiritual death, a separation, an estrangement between God and man. Because death means separation. The most serious thing that happened to Adam was he was separated from that fellowship that he had with God. You remember the Bible says that in the cool of the day, God came down into the Garden of Eden and walked and talked with Adam. The Bible says that the very moment that they took of that, ate of that fruit of that tree, they realized that there was something wrong. Their eyes were opened. And God said, we're going to have to drive them out of the garden. God drove them out of that garden and put a seal upon that garden Angels guarded that garden. No one, they could, no way they could get back in again. That relationship was broken. The moment that, God, that Adam chose to sin against God and eat from that tree, he was immediately separated from God. And that separation is a part of us when we are born. There was a spiritual death which is much more serious than a physical death. The terrible consequence Adam's sin was, of Adam's sin was that it did not just affect Adam. It affected the whole human race. Look in verse 12. Romans 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spreads to all men because all sin. The consequence of Adam's sin is that we inherited his sinful nature. At this point, nobody had been born yet. Adam and Eve were created. Yet all have sinned and come because of their sin. You do not have to commit an act of sin to prove that you're a sinner. When Adam sinned, as you and I, you, we were in Adam. Even though you weren't born yet, you were in Adam. The sin and death attached to Adam was attached to the entire human race. Oddly enough, the Bible gives a similar example in tithing found in Hebrews. It's a story of Abraham paying tithes to Melchizedek. In Hebrews chapter 7, verses 9 to 10, says this, in addition, we might even say that these Levites, the ones who collected the tithes, paid tithes to Melchizedek in their ancestor Abraham, when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. 
For although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body. Then when Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. Now, Levi was the, one of the tribes, the father of one of the tribes of Israel. He, Levi was the great-grandson of Abraham. And Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. In fact, Levi paid it even though he wasn't born yet. Because he was still in his loins, that, that what Abraham did also had an effect on Levi. Nobody is an island unto themselves. You do good and it will affect your posterity. You do evil and it will affect your posterity. It is exactly the same thing Paul is saying about Adam. He's saying when Adam sinned, we were all in the loins of Adam. He was the first man and Eve was the first woman on this earth. They began to have children. And the seed of sin nature was passed into every person that was born into this world ever since. Therefore, the whole human race was affected by Adam's sin. That is why everyone must be born again in order to be in Christ. We call it, we can all be born again, made righteous in Jesus Christ. That's born again is a term that Jesus used. It's not a church term. It's not a denominational term. It's a biblical term. Nicodemus came to Jesus one night He wanted to know about spiritual things. And Jesus said, you must be born again. We inherit the death through Adam, but we receive eternal life through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a great difference between Romans chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. There is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through his other man, this other man, Jesus Christ. Here we have a simple contrast between the old life we had in Adam and the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. There's a vast difference here. Sin had a great effect on the human race. But God's free gift of grace, his unmerited favor, is much greater than our sin. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different. Verse 16 from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we were guilty of many sins. 
For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it. We'll live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. The old life produces futility and corruption and condemnation and death. It manifests itself in lust and cruelty, jealousy, envy, and on and on. This is not learned behavior. It's inherited behavior. We don't have to learn that in the family. You, you, can have, you, you have a good example of that in, in your own family. Everyone is brought up the same way. Everybody has had the same teaching. And still, it always seems to be one that rebels against it all. Sometimes never get the chance to make any correction. The amazing grace of God and his gift of righteousness is available. Available to all who will receive. You choose to make the decision. It's a choice. Those who choose to receive, the Bible says, lives in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus. Lives in triumph over sin and death. God has made a way to bring that old life to a complete end through this one man, Christ Jesus. He wants to give us new life, new hope, new courage. In Adam, we were all condemned. But in Christ, we are all justified. Adam's transgression was imputed or credited to us. But Christ's righteousness is now imputed or applied to us. 2 Corinthians 15, verse 22. As, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. He's talking about something more than a physical life that lasts 70, 80, 90 years on this earth. He's talking about something that is spiritual, a spiritual life that will last forever and ever through all the eons of eternity, alive and well. Serving God, enjoying the pleasures that he has, as the Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him, those who serve him. But then it goes on to say, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. We have, we have something within our knower that we know, that we know, that we know that there's something better ahead. Amen. 
To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's some good things waiting for you yet, Christian. Romans 5.18 says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone, for everyone who believes. Amen. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many became righteous. Aren't you glad you're living in obedience today? The parallel here is this. The judicial consequences of Adam's sin are passed on to all people, not on the basis of their sinning like Adam, but on the basis of being in Adam and his sin nature being inherited in us. But one day, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. I had been running. I had been rebelling against God, been rebelling against the, 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 the faith that I was brought up into and taught. One day, the Holy Spirit got a hold of my life. And I knelt at an altar. We used to kneel at those times. I went and knelt at the altar and I cried like a baby because of my sinfulness, because of my wickedness. And I asked Jesus to come into my heart and forgive me. And he did. And I have a witness within my heart that it is well with my soul. Whether I live, I am the Lord's. And whether I die, I am the Lord's. Amen. Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians 5. 17, 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new life has begun. Folks, you may have struggles in your walk, in your Christian walk. There may be days when you feel like, man, I'm not doing too good in this Christianity thing. You know, I... I, 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 I just don't think that I measure up. I don't think that I, I'm as good as brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And you feel defeated. But I want to tell you something as I close right now. These precious truths should strengthen our faith and our assurance and our joy. Let me be absolutely clear, there's no substitute for knowing these truths. No substitute whatsoever. Every Christian must have a biblically balanced life which leads to maturity. God don't expect to forgive us of our sins and to see us crawling around spiritually the rest of our life. He wants us to grow in faith and in knowledge of the word of God. This means that we need to know the word and make personal application to what it teaches. Maturity has very little to do with the number of years that you've been saved, you're born again. 
very little to do with how long you've been a Christian. It has everything to do with how many years you've applied yourself to study and learning these truths in the Word of God. And if you, if you neglect the Word of God, you're nothing but a crawling baby at the best. You're not being profitable to yourself. You're not being profitable to your family. You're not being profitable to the kingdom of God because you're not following God's instructions. Balance is what is lacking in Pentecostal and charismatic circles today. Let me tell you something. Rejoicing in worship service doesn't say anything about your spiritual condition. It's good, it's biblical, and I encourage it, but it's not enough to build your faith upon. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the word. Amen? Most people don't know the word of God. Most people in Pentecostal churches don't know the Word of God. Many people in Pentecostal churches go from week to week without ever even opening the Bible. They say, I've been saved for 10 years, 20 years. Don't mean a thing. Salvation to you is only fire insurance. You hope that just by being a Christian, by saying a sinner's prayer, you'll avoid hell. I wouldn't count on it. Feel good principles of the word are not enough when the enemy attacks. You may have memorized a number of scriptures on healing, a number of scriptures on deliverance, number of scriptures, on prosperity, all of these things. But if you are not having a daily diet of the word of God and getting into that word, if you've been saved for three years, you should have at least been through the Bible now three times. You can't do spiritual warfare with a, ho a hoot and a holler. It sounds good. But you've got to have something to back it up. And it's the word of God that backs it up. That's where your power is. That's where the Holy Spirit works in and through you. If you're looking for a person to speak a word into your life, you're on the wrong track. There are some good words that come in prophecy and all of these things, but it has to line up with the word of God. It has to be a confirmation of what God is doing. You don't try to, to make prophecy come true.
God has given you his word and his Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. That's the way to stay on track, friends. If you look to a joyful time on Sunday morning, we can be shouting and dancing and praising. But if that's all you've got, when, you, when the enemy attacks, and he will attack, he'll try to beat you down. And if you don't have the word of God to back you up, you don't know what to do, you don't know what to believe, you'll be devastated. And that's what the church is here for. That's what we have the programs for. So that you can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So that you can learn true doctrine, strong doctrine. And that you can be a strong Christian. That's what God's given me for today. <laughs> if anyone needs prayer, you just come. We'll pray with you before you go, okay? Lord bless you. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.